Hey everyone, quick aside before we get started tonight, as usual, I do want to remind all of you cool cats and kittens that this podcast is purely fictional. I am not Orson Welles, I'm not trying to pull a fast one, this is all made up. The pants are on fire because I am a liar liar. Second, I'm trying something new with this podcast, I want you to help me make this pod. Uh, I want you all to vote to help determine what happens next. Think of it as a choose-your-own-adventure, but with murder, swear words, and probably some drinking sprinkled in. This is a crowdsourced horror story, and I need your help to get this little democracy going. You all did a great job voting last week, and you can vote again this week on our Facebook page if you search for Across the Street, a crowdsourced murder mystery on Facebook. You can look me up on Twitter. My handle is at... 402 hatch that's at 402 h-a-t-c-h you can send me an email to what the husk at gmail.com you can message me on here essentially any way you can get a hold of me do it please help me vote help me figure out where we go from here uh, all the links are available on the site in the uh, main page as well as on each episode now if you haven't heard the first episode Start there. You'll want to get a little bit of the backstory. This is a What the Husk podcast production. Across the Street, Chapter 2 The Run. The phone was in my hand. Why wasn't I calling? I had. 66.666666% of the number in the damn phone. Nine, one. And my heart was snare drumming like some band nerd putting on a show during drumline tryouts. But I was just frozen. Chris? She was respectful but confused. I'm sure she was wondering why my face had just frozen into a shocked position mouth agape, and my eyebrows trying to climb to the roof of my face so they could jump off. I... I locked my phone and I stuck it back into my sweatpants. I can't do it. What if I'm wrong? What if I accuse some guy of murder because I saw him in the living room of his house and his TV was really just strobe flashing through some mesothelioma commercial? What if I'm just wrong? She reached for my hand. Then we deal with it, or we don't. Baby, you know what you saw, and if you don't know what you saw, then maybe we just... wait? She yawned mightily, leaning her head on my shoulder. Her light brown hair spilled down my bare arms, and I palpably, viscerally wondered how I was so lucky. It grabbed at me then for a moment, even in the midst of all of this, just threatening to wash everything away, and I almost began tubing down the sublime current of her love. I put my arm around her and began to turn towards the bedroom. Shoulder to shoulder, we headed back towards our queen-sized bed and the gentle caress of Golden Girls reruns on channel 185. I stopped for a second, Looking back at the kitchen, eyes skimming along the countertops that could definitely use another Clorox wipe down, 
and landing on the sill of the window. I turned around. I'm going to check one more time. She nodded and shuffled off towards the bedroom, probably questioning why she had ever smiled and said, I do, all those Septembers ago. Unconsciously, I reached again for the Trader Joe's cookies. My sore finger grazed along the lid, and I realized that not only was I tempting fate with this glitch-in-the-matrix type of deja vu, but that I legitimately might need an intervention. I opened the cabinet and put them away, jamming them in next to a bag of some noodles that we were never going to use. Suddenly, the nerd's front door opened. Now this is going to sound like some totally insane, bad guest on Nancy Grace, 999 psychic kind of shit, but I swear to you, I felt the door open more than I saw it. Like some gravitational pull that gripped onto me, heavy and sudden and inescapable. Like someone had just landed a deep sea fishing hook into the buckle of some imaginary belt and given it a yank. I stepped forward lurching, stumbling a step or two. I inadvertently slammed shut the cabinet, wincing at the noise in spite of myself. Someone came storming out of the house, wearing a hooded black sweatshirt and pink pajama pants. The yellow front door rocketed open like someone had battering rammed it from the inside, swinging smoothly on its hinges and revealing the cheap yellow 60-watt entryway red carpet of lighting. She was in a hurry, leaving her own front door jar as she rushed to the red Volkswagen in the driveway, got in, and slammed that door before I could even catch my breath. It was a she, wasn't it? I thought to myself, brows scrunched up like someone had just taken a flash photo with their phone without my permission. And it all happened so fast. The door being tossed open, the huffy, patented, angry girl storm out straight out of a reality show. In that single bulb yellowed haze, it really only allows for a silhouette. But all you need was a silhouette to know that whoever it was was furious. Hips akimbo, arms gesticulating wildly, pumping like a marathoner, finishing up the last point two of their 26 mile run. I mean, even the Volkswagen seemed pissed, roaring to life with an impossible German guttural growl, sounding like its six-cylinder engine was shouting, Nine! into the night. And that door, still open, bounced off the side of the house, drunkenly swaying on its hinges. Breathless, I nearly put my nose to the glass watching it all unfold. I saw a hand reach through the yellow and black light of the porch, snatching the handle and pulling it shut. The car eased out of the driveway in direct opposition to the fury that had just been shown moments ago. Whoever was driving, they needed their hands at 10 and 2, even if both middle fingers were at high noon. It was all over in a few short seconds and my breath was nearly fogging up the glass. So much for Jeffrey Dahmer living across the street. <sighs> I sighed heavily, unsure whether I was relieved or disappointed or some combination, and wondering what that said about me 
and the burgeoning boredom that had recently swollen within me like some kind of glandular dysfunction. Bulging in my brain, it had festered there as I watched my fourth straight hour of coverage on a virus that couldn't be stopped and wished for something new to happen. Was that what this was? Fuck, I said it out loud for the second time that night. Dad? A seven-year-old voice came from behind me. Did you just say the F word? I turned to see my son, replete with corgi pajama pants and perfectly imperfect bed hair, staring at me with the accusatory eyes of a boy smart enough to know the swear words and smart enough to know that he shouldn't be hearing them out loud from his father. He wasn't judging. He never really did. But he was in need of a trip to the potty, and he wasn't entirely sure that the shadows in our own house didn't hold some kind of demented monsters waiting to snatch him up. As I took him in, I wasn't sure if I disagreed with him. I might have been seeing a few demented monsters in the shadows myself that night. After a quick lecture on the virtues of ignoring our human nature with regards to that whole monkeys seeing and monkeys doing thing when it comes to language, and a quick reboot of his Alexa-driven bedtime music, I found myself laying back down in bed. Murder solved, Miss Marple? My wife's sarcastic murmur reassured me that she had already forgiven my idiocy and the rashness of my accusations. Yeah, turns out we're not surrounded by serial killers like I always thought. I went to sleep that night wondering whether I was grateful or kind of fucking bummed out. The next day dawned warmer than usual and foggy, with the kind of sleepy gray felt clinging to the low air that Nebraskans in April are all too familiar with. A kind of claustrophobic dampness that makes you wonder why anyone would go into a cave of their own accord. I slapped my headband on, pushing it up against the graying brow line of my hair, stretched my hamstrings for far longer than I ever thought I would need to when I was young, and stepped outside of my door to take my morning run. I slid my earbuds on, hearing the all-too-familiar sinking of the Bluetooth to my phone, and taking a deep breath, I prepared to ass-drag through another slow crawl around the neighborhood. It was one of the few things that had been helping me get out of the house during our social distancing campaign. I suppose I should have been thankful that I live in a state with such a small population base that these kinds of morning runs still allow me to go and stay six-plus feet away from the nearest person and even probably more thankful that I was required by our governor to stay that far away from other joggers, because that way they wouldn't be able to hear how hard I was breathing at 6.30 a.m. as I struggled through the uncommon difficulty of my own bipedal locomotion. As I lurched down the driveway, calf muscles feeling like they belonged to someone in the definitive risk category for COVID-19, I hung a left and headed up the street. It was light out, but only just barely. Soon enough, the sun would be sliding a few blades of warmth through that buttery, creamy fog that seemed to be breathing down my neck, but it wasn't time yet. Between my own panting, which started out significantly sooner than I would have liked, and the sounds of a podcast dedicated solely to breaking down the grisly murders of fellow Americans, 
My feet sounded a rhythm as I carried myself down the street. It was about a half mile in when I heard another set of shoes. I noticed someone was following me. I waited for a chance to glance over my shoulder as I muted my podcast for just a moment. Pretending to sneak a look at the non-existent traffic, I crossed the street and saw someone behind me cross as well. The bass drum of my heart suddenly jumped into accelerando. Still slightly on edge from my not very real murder that I thought I'd witnessed the night before, I looked again. They were still there. Technically an appropriate distance behind me. Were they tailing me? Or were they just heading towards the same bike path that I was? At the pace I was traveling, shouldn't they be making up some ground on me? I peeled off for the section of our neighborhood that my son and I had dubbed the country because of the scarcity of houses and the way the yards turned to open fields that suddenly popped up for the one percenters who lived near us and had decided to try their hand at a green thumb. In spite of my general lack of fitness, I felt a very real urge to speed up. As I began to ease my way into race pace, I tried to check over my right shoulder once again. They were keeping up. At the top of the country street, there was a path leading down to the railroad tracks and another path heading the opposite direction that would take me looping back towards the larger houses on the block. It seemed like they were getting closer, or was that just me? And here's where you come in. Which way should I go? Do I run down the street towards the railroad tracks? To try to dig deep and relive my glory days with a major surge and try to lose whoever's behind me? Or do I loop back around and see if any of the rich people are out and about? I don't know, walking around, checking their 401ks as they stroll with their snooty dogs and stare at me in disdain? Which way do I go? It's up to you. Do I go to the railroad tracks or loop back to the big houses? Like I said before, the choice is yours. I need your help to vote. Go to all the places I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Check on our Facebook page. Send me a message on Twitter. Leave a message here. Send me an email. Any way you can get a hold of me, let's take the next step together. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of Across the Street.